Welcome to the Ephesians 3 podcast. Here you can listen to the student talks given at Ephesians 3, a weekly fellowship where students at Newman Parish in Columbia, Missouri, speak on topics of faith and experience fellowship and life-giving community. Based on the passage of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, the ministry seeks to lead students deeper in the Catholic faith through community, conversation, and prayer. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode. My name is Mary Madeline. Uh, I graduated from Mizzou in 2019, uh, and then I worked here at Newman for a couple years, and then I went to Notre Dame uh, to get my master's degree in theology. Um, instead of asking me for pictures of Jacob, actually, afterwards, ask me how Notre Dame will pay for your master's in theology. Um, it's a pretty great program. Um, and I actually want to start by talking a little bit about that. So could I get my next slide? Um, so. ECHO is uh, a holistic formation program, uh, and one of the pillars of it is uh, intentional faith community. And these were my roommates in ECHO. Um, That's Ellie in the red and Riley in the white. And when we first met each other, it was on the most awkward Zoom call I have ever had in my life. (laughs) Um, So I'm from Missouri. Uh, Ellie is from Washington State. Riley is from Boston. And we just found out, congratulations, you're going to be living together in an intentional community, praying together, sharing life for two years. And we were like, okay. And then we found out the apartment had two bedrooms. So we set up we set up a Zoom call to meet each other. And what was on everyone's mind is like, who's going to get the single bedroom? And we're all like, we're all, and we talked later, we were all thinking like, don't be weird. Don't be weird. Like, be normal. I hope they aren't weird. I need to like put on my not weird face. But living in that community with them for two years taught me a lot about love. Uh, And love as a process, as a slow and gradual process um, that we grow into throughout our lives. And it started really slow. Uh, When we first met each other in summer of 2021 uh, on campus, we didn't, like, I I didn't show up and I was like, hey, I'm Mary, here's all of me, what's up? I was like, hi. I'm Mary Madeline, it's so nice to meet you guys. I like puppies. And then we had to pray together once a week for the whole summer. And the first time we did Lexio together, I was like, yeah, like that was really insightful. I like how Jesus said we should love. And that was, that's what they were doing too. We were all kind of just slowly starting to put ourselves out there. And it was over the course of two years that we got deeper and deeper. And by the time we left, like these girls know me better than anyone else in the world. And I tell you that story Um, because I think sometimes in our relationship with God, we have an encounter with the Lord and we say, this is incredible. Jesus, I love you. Like, let's go full tilt, full steam ahead. But love takes time and relationships take time. And a lot of the beautiful ways that we grow in love and we grow in our relationships aren't in those big mountaintop moments of deep encounter, but they're in the small choices that we make gradually day in and day out. And so that's where I want to start tonight in talking about building up little habits of love in our relationship with Jesus. I want to start with this idea of gradually. I'm going to say the word patience. I don't think anybody loves being told to be patient. I like to say that if the Lord wanted me to be patient, he would have created me patient, but he didn't, so he must not have wanted me to be patient. 
I think there's definitely this temptation in the spiritual life, uh, whether we're consciously thinking it or not, that we need to get our act together before we go before God. Like, Jesus, you are beautiful and perfect, and you love me so well, and I really, like, I gotta get myself together, and then I'll let you love me, because then I'll be worth loving. But that's not how Christ looks at us. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need God, right? If there was nothing within me that needed anyone else, if there was nothing in me that needed improving, why do I need God? But we weren't created to be without God. When we are without God, we are by definition imperfect because we're missing a fundamental part of ourselves. So becoming holy, growing in love for Christ is a process that necessarily starts with us being imperfect and wounded and needing a savior. So it's good to set goals in the spiritual life. It's definitely good to set a goal for a routine of prayer. But also, we're not necessarily in charge of how the Lord is moving in our hearts. When I first started uh, coming to Newman in college and coming to things like E3 and going to holy hours, I was absolutely the person that you saw going in with like a stack of books and a to-do list. I was like, here's my spiritual reading book about growing in prayer. Here's my spiritual reading book about how to read scripture. Here's my Bible. Here's my journal. And here's the book that someone gave me on the way in that they said I should read because Father Jacques Philippe is a lot of fun. <laughs> and then I'd sit down in the chapel and I'd sit before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And I was like, okay, Jesus, what do you want to talk about today? I want to talk about what I'm going to do with my life and what my vocation is and what I should have for dinner and what book I should start reading. And I'm just going to read like five minutes from every book until I find one that like I feel like you're talking to me in my heart. And I want you to envision me doing this, like, not necessarily frantically, but just like, very, like, I'm just sitting here doing this. And I'm over here, and I'm like, okay, this, and this, and this, and then I'm going to journal, and I'm going to do this. And the Lord is over here on the altar, and he's just, like, looking. And just waiting for me to take five minutes to look up and actually acknowledge that he was in front of me. And I do think within that time, I was growing. I was sitting in the presence of the Lord for an hour a day. It was doing tremendous things to my heart. But I was spending very little of that time actually talking to him. And I, I got to a point where I realized like I wanted to be more intentional with my holy hour. And I was talking to my spiritual director one year about what I could do for Lent. And I decided not to take my phone into the chapel. Anytime, if I was stopping in for five minutes to pray, if I was going to mass, if I was going to a holy hour, my phone was gonna stay uh, on my desk. I was working here at Newman at the time. And then I decided I was going to start every holy hour by sitting for 15 minutes. I would take my book I wanted to read, I would take my to-do list, I would take my journal, but I wouldn't touch any of it for the first 15 minutes. And I had to like set a timer on my watch to tell me exactly when that time was up because when it started, it was really painful. I would sit for five minutes, be like, okay, is it 15 minutes yet? No, okay. But over time, and, and when I say time, I don't mean like a week. I mean like a month, two months. 15 minutes started to get really easy. And then two months in, I was really comfortable with 15 minutes and my, my timer would go off. And I didn't feel like I needed to reach for my book. But it took me months to learn how to be silent before the Lord. And that's not what I wanted. And I was not comfortable with it. And it was not an experience that I was in the middle of it. I was like, oh, this is so great. I'm growing. It's so much fun. I was like, this is awful. 
and I'm growing, and that's great. Thank you, Lord. But it was something I had to learn how to do. I will say similarly, like, there definitely were parallels. I, I want to parallel all these things in my relationship with the Lord with, with my human relationships, because I think we learn a lot about how to be in a relationship by looking at other relationships. So when I was living with my roommates in Atlanta, like the first, first month, it was like the honeymoon phase because we were all trying really hard not to step on each other's toes. Like, you know how, like, you get a new roommate and you're like, yeah, like, I'm really clean. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, like, show of hands if, like, almost every person you've ever lived with has said that they are the cleanest person they know. I've lived with at least four people that are the cleanest person they know, and they are four of the messiest people that I know. <laughs> so I don't know who they know. But that was like, so we move in and we're all like stepping around trying to be the cleanest people we know. And one of my roommates drove me nuts. Every day, at the end of the day, she would walk around the apartment and gather all of my stuff. And like, I would go to bed before her. I'd come out in the morning and there'd be a pile of my stuff on the kitchen counter. And growing up in my house, that's what my mom did when the mess in our house had gotten too much for her to bear. She would like kind of let us, let our stuff spread and spread and spread and she'd hit her limit and then there'd be a pile of my stuff on the stairs. So I'm coming out every morning, there's a pile of my stuff. I'm like, this is so passive aggressive. Why can't she sell me she's stuff? Like, finally, I brought it up to her. I was like, Ellie, why are you doing this? And she said, oh, in my house, we grew up, we, we put the house to bed. It was a way of loving on taking care of our space. So we just put in the living room to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but like, okay. It's like, okay. It was really uncomfortable for me to, be, to learn to be okay with her doing that. Almost every morning I'd walk out, I'd see the pile of my stuff, and I'd be like, this is Ellie trying to like exercise her beautiful charism of hospitality. Like This is Ellie trying to take care of our space. This is just Ellie being Ellie, and I love Ellie. I now put my house to bed every night <laughs> because it was something that I grew to appreciate, but it took time. And it also took the choice because Ellie said, she was like, if it bugs you, like, I will stop doing it. I don't want to bug you. And I said, you know what? Like, actually, like, you are not my mom. You are not doing it for the reasons my mom is doing it. It's fine. I'll get used to it. And I chose that I was like, this is a beautiful way that Ellie loves. I want to receive Ellie's love. I'm going to, like, work on my own problems. Um, and that's true in our relationship with God, too. Like, God is going to do the work of teaching us how to love on him, of forming our hearts slowly when we put ourselves in his presence, and of stretching us. But it's also a very active choice on our parts. If the Lord was able to teach me how to be okay with silence and adoration, because I chose to put myself there regularly. Um, building any relationship takes not just like time, but quality time. If you met someone and you were like, hey, like I want to get to know you better, let's hang out. And then every time you hung out, you were just like showing each other Instagram reels, which is like, don't get me wrong, a fun way to hang out with someone, but would you ever actually get to know them really well? Probably not. Similarly, in our relationship with God, it's not just the time that we spend with Jesus, it's the way that we spend time with him. Um, so show of hands, who gets distracted in mass? 
and I'm not, I don't, I want to like preface this, getting distracted in mass is not an inherently bad thing. We are human, we get distracted. You are never going to reach a point in your life where you never get distracted in mass. Like, I don't want you to have that expectation. But if we go to mass every week and we just sit there for an hour and like get distracted and don't really worry about it and don't work on it, then it can become a problem. And I will say, I've had those points in my life where I was like, yep, okay, Sunday, I'm gonna go to mass. Uh, it's an hour, right? I hope Father doesn't preach too long. And I would just sit there and I would physically be present for an hour, but not very engaged. And again, I was putting myself in the presence of the Lord. I was receiving him in the Eucharist. He was working in my heart, but the space that I gave him to work was like that big. There wasn't much space for him to work, but we can work on paying attention to mass. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that um, is to start small. And this goes like with any prayer routine. It's not necessarily that we're like, oh, like we have this encounter with the Lord, we're like, Jesus, I love you. Like, what am I gonna do? How are we gonna do this? I'm gonna do everything. I'm gonna go from like going to mass once a week and maybe a holy hour once a week. I'm gonna go to daily mass and do a daily holy hour and like pray with scripture every day and pray all the liturgy hours and do all the stuff and then I'll be holy. That's not how we build habits. And so my recommendation in building a habit of love with Jesus is to take the things that you're already doing and try to do them just a little bit better. So using the example of the mass, I wanna challenge you all to pay attention to what you say at mass a little bit better. Um, and these are the opening words of some of the main prayers that we say during mass. And I'd never, thought a whole lot about it myself uh, when I was in college. I was like, yeah, mass is great. We go, we hear scripture, like I get the Eucharist. It is magnificent. I love it. And then not too long after I graduated, I went to confession. And the penance that father gave me was to say in our father for 10 minutes. And that's how he said it. He said, say in our father for 10 minutes. And I said, awesome. You want me to repeat the our father for 10 minutes? And he said, no, one our father, take 10 minutes to say it. Do that. So I went and I sat and I set a timer for 10 minutes. I said, okay, Jesus, come Holy Spirit, help. But I just started with our father. And then I thought, what does that actually mean to me? What do I mean when I start my prayer by saying our father? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Am I living my life like I think God's kingdom is a great place to be? Am I seeking his will day in and day out? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. It's a hard one for me still today sometimes. It changed the way that I say the Our Father. Every time I say it, I'm a little more cognizant now than I was before that. And so I challenge you with, with these prayers or any of them that you encounter in the Mass, take some time outside of Mass to actually think about it. The Gloria, we sing it every Sunday, is actually a prayer. Start to finish. What does it mean to say glory to God in the highest? So that is a great way to start like these little moments that you're most likely already doing in your spiritual life. These ways and these places that you're already encountering the Lord. How can you take that and just go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper? become just a little bit more intentional 
in all of the habits that you're already trying to form. And I've, I've used this word a couple of times, habit. Love is a habit. When we talk about love being a choice and not just a feeling, um, love certainly is an emotion that we experience. When I look at something I love, I feel happy. Sometimes I want it. Um, I want to be closer to it. I want to know more about it. If it's pizza, I really just want to eat it, but I do love it. Um, but the actual choice of love, making the choice to love the other person, is something that's going to take patience and effort, and it's a habit that we build. With my roommates in Atlanta, uh, we started off great. We had just spent a very intense summer together, and during the summer, we took a whole, whole evening every week, and we would pray together and eat together and do an activity together. And that was a lot of time to take out of our summer. When we moved down to Atlanta and we were working in parishes, we still had our one evening a week that we would share a meal and pray together and do some sort of activity together. But it wasn't as large a part of my schedule. I was seeing them, but I wasn't really spending as much quality time together with them as it felt like I had been over the summer. So we decided after that first semester that we were going to take the time to spend more one-on-one -on -one time together. I say at least one day a semester, we'd, we'd go and we'd like make a day of it. One of, for example, my roommate Ellie and I, we went downtown to one of the fancy hotels in Atlanta and we had a lovely high tea. Mostly lovely, it was like the weekend after the coronation and there was this giant cardboard cutout of King Charles behind my shoulder staring at her the whole time. But the food was delightful. <laughs> but it was those ways that we built little habits together. Ellie's habit of putting the apartment to bed was one way that she loved all of us. I checked the mail. That was my habit that formed pretty easily because I was always waiting for mail. Uh, and, but it became that I would bring the mail. And I'd be like, Ellie, you got a letter. Riley, you got a letter. And that was one way that I loved them. And then at, at the time, I was like regularly waiting for letters. And the schedule I was writing, someone changed on. And I wasn't, like I knew when I'd get the letters and it was like once every six months. But I kept checking the mail twice a week because I, it was like a way that I had developed this habit to love Riley and Ellie. And even when my motivation for doing it wasn't there anymore, it was still one of the ways that I participated in our relationship. So when we think of habits, we might think of things that we don't have to think about too much, like once we're in the habit. Like you have a habit of brushing your teeth. You're not every night trying to get better at brushing your teeth. I had a habit of checking the mail. That was just something I did. I didn't think about it. But there are also habits that we constantly have to work on. Um, I would say for me, I'm working on developing a habit of cleaning my apartment. There are ways that I have that habit. There are ways that I can always get better at it. And that's true in a lot of ways, like sports practice. You don't go to sports practice six days a week thinking, yeah, I'm gonna do as good as I did yesterday. You think, how can I be better than yesterday? How can I keep improving? And the same is true in the spiritual life. How do we, like we build this habit of going to mass and then we work to improve that habit maybe by paying more attention to the prayers so that we zone out less when we're praying the same thing week in and week out. Or we get better at our habit of a holy hour by trying to get better at sitting in silence. But I found one of the best ways to love someone, whether it's Jesus or one of our human relationships, is to take time to examine that relationship. Because when it becomes a habit that we don't think about, 
when hanging out with your best friend becomes like a habit. Um, for example, I have two of my best friends live in town. We're in the same Bible study. I see them week in and week out. I actually carpool with one of them. I see her twice a day. I realized two weeks ago, I'm not spending any quality time with you, really. I see you in our Bible study, and that's quality time we spend as a group. And I sit with you in a car for an hour a day, but it's at the start and end of the workday. We're both exhausted. It's not quality time. But I had to look at how my relationship with her was going to do that. One of the ways that we look at our relationship with Jesus is by making an examination of conscience and regularly receiving the sacrament of confession. It's one of the most effective ways to pay better attention to the places where we aren't responding to God's call in our life, getting, but also coming to see like where he is working. Um, and so when I say regular confession, it doesn't have to be like you're going every two weeks. You know you're going every two weeks. You know you're going every month. But you have a disposition. You're, you're getting used to examining your conscience. A daily examination of conscience is a great thing to do. It doesn't mean you have to run straight to confession. But it is good to do every month or so, every couple months for sure, because one of the ways that we learn to, like we learn by experience. Most all of us learn how to do things by actually trying to do them really well. And so when we experience God's merciful, abundant love poured out in the confessional, we really encounter who he is. We learn what he wants to give us. We also learn how to become more loving and merciful ourselves. And that's kind of the key. As we grow in relationship, as we grow in love of Jesus, we should also grow in love of everyone else around us. Because God is love. And when we are encountering love at its very source, it transforms us. It's just what God does. God's love is truly transformative. And there are a thousand ways to pray and to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And I only used a few examples tonight, specifically kind of these examples of mass adoration and confession, because those are some of the building blocks. We know that God is at work in the sacraments with everyone. Some of you may love the rosary. Some of you may love praying in scripture. Some of you may be like the Divine Mercy Chaplet. That is where it's at. But those aren't necessarily going to resonate with everyone in the same way. But our relationship with God is very rooted in the sacraments. It starts in the sacraments at our baptism. And Jesus calls us back to him week in and week out at the altar to receive him in the Eucharist. And he calls us to repair our relationship with him in the confessional. And as we move throughout our lives and discover his path for us, he'll encounter us in the sacraments of marriage or holy orders or in a religious profession or wherever he calls you. These sacraments are kind of these hinge moments within our lives where the Lord is always encountering us and always calling us deeper. You're never going to master the Mass. If you go to Mass every day for 90 years, you will not master the Mass. There will always be something more to go deeper there. So loving Jesus, these little habits of love that we develop, is a deliberate choice that we have to make and act on, but it's also something that he is going to teach us how to do. Only Jesus knows how he made our hearts to love him. And only he like, can teach us how to get there. People can accompany us, and I certainly hope that you have people in your lives who can accompany you on your journey and your relationship with Christ. But ultimately, it's going to come down to you and him and the way that he calls you 
to love the world. So my prayer for you tonight is that Christ will stir in you the desire to grow closer to him and reveal to you just the next step that he's asking you to take, whether that's spending more time in daily prayer, working harder to fight distraction at mass, and being gentle with yourself when you fail, or guiding you to make a deeper examination of conscience next time you go to confession. Thank you. Thank you.